Well, it is part number three we are talking about today on the Hunt and Harvest Health podcast. I'm Doc Hillary, and today we're going to be talking all things seeds with Sean McCoy from Frank's Little Farm. This is part three. We're kind of, if you haven't already, go back and listen to part one and part two as we go through the basics of gardening. And um, I really like this podcast. It was fun to talk about seeds. We learn about germination. Remember that process you did back in grade school? So tell me, Tana. Tana's back with us today. Yeah. She decided she likes podcasting, so she wants to do more of it. No. I, I said try. Oh, okay. She said she'd try again. Um, did you ever put a seed in soil at school and water it, and then you watched a plant grow? No. You haven't done that yet in science? I don't have science. Oh. Well, I remember Paley when she would plant in school at some point. She put a seed in the dirt. I did that in preschool. Oh, well, we did it in preschool. Yep. That whole process called germination, where we put a soil seed in the soil and it grows roots and then it grows up towards the sun. I'm hungry. Mm -hmm. So I'm hungry too, talking about seeds and food, huh? Okay, don't touch that because it makes noises. You can't touch that. All right. Fidget. (laughs) Anyways, uh, that's going to be part three today um, on our gardening journey with you. Well, Ryan's home (laughs) for like five minutes and then he'll be gone again tomorrow uh, back out into the mountains. But he had a successful hunt. He came home, canned a little meat. Now he's going to be gone again, right? Yeah. Who got a bear? He got a bear. He did get a bear. He got a big bear. He got a big bear. Yep. So he's going to go back at it and we'll have a few more weeks here of getting ready for June, which is summit season, which we talked about last podcast a little bit. But again, we have tickets available. A few, maybe just a few left to meal deer, middle of June, and then family camp the end of June. The tickets are and stickers. What? The tickets are stickers. <laughs> Yeah, you're going to get a sticker when you show up (laughs) from Tana. Everyone gets a Christmas sticker because that's her favorite holiday, right? Well, I don't have that much stickers anymore. You don't? Mm, You're going to have to buy some Mm -hmm. to give everybody a sticker? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Well, remember, like when you come to the summits, here's the deal. We have amazing giveaways this year for one. Yes. Yes. And we are going to have fun giving them away, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. And we have amazing speakers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we are going to have great food. We're yeah. going to have exercise. We're going to have hiking. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And we're going to have epic camping. All that jazz. Beautiful done. weather and all that jazz, huh? You have to do jazz at school. <laughs> I do not have to do jazz anymore, but I used to do jazz a long time ago. So anyways, um, check that out. Also, I think that's it for now. Okay. Part three, seeds. Get your seeds going. If you have any more questions on gardening and you want to talk to Sean, he's great. Remember, go to his Instagram handle, Frank's Little Farm, uh, and he will get back to you there. Flowers need sun. And there's the statement, last statement of our intro. 
flowers need sun. Do people need sun? They do need sun. It's very important for you. You need sun. You need a moon. And you need a moon too. That's uh -huh. right. What else do you need? You need um, flowers growing on your head. <laughs> the dad kind of looks like he has flowers growing on his head, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. He's got all that hair. It's like flowers just streaming down his head and neck. Makes him look so pretty. Well, unless need, he's just gotten back from a hunting trip. You need sleep. It looks like you he did shave today, y'all. Somebody made a comment to him that his beard was getting a little bit out of control. And it wasn't me because if I had said it, he would have done nothing. But someone else did. And boy, he's all clean shaven over there. Well, not totally shaven. Don't don't get too excited if you're listening to this. You need sleep. Yep, you do need sleep. You know who needs sleep the most? You. Mommies. <laughs> I need a lot of sleep. I don't ever get enough sleep. I'll put a dandelion on your head. Then you'll okay. get some sleep. The magical dandelion will help me fall asleep. Actually, Daisy. A daisy? Daisy. Okay. Yeah. Da daisy, wait a minute. Which? Yeah, we got a shirt in Florida that has all the flowers on it for each month. Huh. Yeah. Wait a minute. May. May. Right, right here. Yep. What flowers for May? Um, it's a long word. It's a long word. Lily. It's a lily of the valley. Uh-huh. A lily of the valley. That's our flower for the month. Lily. Next week, we have a rose. Then the other week, we have a... Hmm. I don't what know. We got lots of... We got 12 months of flowers. We won't <laughs> go into it right now. Okay. Everybody enjoy this podcast. Tana, say peace out. No. No. So, say goodbye. Goodbye. Mwah. Goodbye. <laughs> oh, jeez. Okay, so what are we talking about today? Okay, we... let's see. We are going to talk today. We're going to do mostly, you know, around seeds. We're going to talk about. Um, we're going to talk about seeds, resources for seeds, where you can get seeds, starting seeds, some of the things that go along with. Um, you know how you go about it. What your, you know, soil a little bit um dampening off i figured we'd talk about dampening off a little bit and then some of the um different uh indoor versus outdoor you know what what you should or can start indoors um and then what you know just start it outside don't bother okay that all sounds wonderful so let's start. First, I'll let you know, yesterday I went to the nursery because it's almost Mother's Day. And I noticed right before Mother's Day is when they throw everything out in the nursery. Oh, yeah. And I bought some plants to do some pots and stuff. And I was looking at all the seeds. And um, should I do starts? Should I not do starts? Like I was kind of torn. And I ended up buying flowers and stuff. That's what I do when Ryan's not around. So, um, but there's a lot of choices for seeds. And I, I think it would as you talk about seeds here, you know, like what should people look for? And like, is any seed the same as another seed, et cetera. So those are kind of my, my interests as well for when I'm out looking, if I'm going to start something from seed. Okay. Yeah. I think that's, um, you know, those are really good, good thoughts for sure. 
Um, so, I mean, we'll, we'll just start with resources here. So I think, um, and one of the thoughts that I had about catalogs, so seed catalogs are um, a good resource to have. And um, it also helps kind of lend back into that lifestyle component that we've talked about so much because seed catalogs typically come out in like January, right around the first of the new year. And it gives you something to like peruse through and look at while you're in your deep winter months and you can start kind of plotting and scheming and getting an idea of like what you might want to do or if there's some new things that you want to do. So, um, you know, the seed catalogs that we get and that we recommend, they're, they're, they're going to be primarily organic. Um, and we can talk a little bit more in a, in a few minutes about organic versus non-organic. Um, but I think the ones that I would recommend are High Mowing is um, a great seed company. Fedco is uh, another great like seed catalog and seed company. And then Territorial Seeds. And then there's Johnny's Seeds. And Johnny's is, is a little bit um, more, they sell a lot of different things besides seeds. They have equipment and some other different things. Um, and they're a little bit more expensive. Um, but they're also a really good company and I think a cooperative, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and then a little bit more locally, like if you're looking locally here in Montana, Western Montana has um, Triple Divide Seeds, which is kind of a new seed company. They're maybe three to five years old. Um, but, you know, you can see their seeds in Ace and a few other different places or find them online. And then if you're in Idaho, Snake River uh, Seed Company, which is down in the Boise area, is also like a nice local, um, smaller seed company. Um, and then, you know, from there, like we kind of talked about in the first podcast, um, your grocery stores, most of the grocery stores are going to carry seeds this time of year. Your hardware stores, most of them are going to carry seeds this year. And then, you know, the nurseries for sure are carrying mm -hmm. seeds. Um, and <clears throat> if you're, you know, like the differences between seeds and quality, we'll say quality of seeds, maybe versus like organic versus non-organic. Um, I think where you're going to see um, differences may be in germination, like how well things germinate whether or not um, that seed is an heirloom, right? Like if, if you're doing more organic and um, the company focuses on these different things than um, like organic or viability and germination rates and things like that, then you're gonna see just a little higher quality seed. I think it's like anything else, right? <clears throat> The smaller the companies, the more focused they are on, you know, the more like local they are, the more the quality, in my opinion, goes up. It's like buying like locally made American pants or whatever. You might pay a little bit more, but ideally your quality is a little bit higher. Um, whereas you start to branch out into the larger seed companies, um, which, you know, we use, like sometimes if I can't find something, I'll go to burpees or I'll go to totally tomatoes. Um, but these seed companies are going to be reaching out into the world for seeds. And, you know, that can bring you seeds that are maybe not adjusted to your climate as well. Whereas if the company is working with producers 
in North America, your seeds are going to be a little bit more geared towards your climate. Um, and then the more local the seed production you can get, the more local your seed is going to be for your climate. Mm -hmm. And, you know, without going down too big of a rabbit hole, when a seed is coming from a plant that is grown within your area or your zone, um, it's just going to be more adapted to that climate. It's going to be more adapted to the rain, to the dryness, to the sun, to the different pests and diseases that may be running around, whether it's a fungi um, or, you know, some type of uh, blight, they're just going to be more adapted. Mm -hmm. um, and so those are some of the reasons why you want to look for higher quality seed and, you know, more locally sourced seed. And, you know, a lot of the catalogs that I talked about, you know, whether it's high mowing or whatnot, you know, they're all over the country. But even within, you know, getting your seeds within, you know, the American continent still sets you up for a higher level of success rather than getting some seeds from over in Europe somewhere where you're just talking about a completely different climate and bio region, right? Like it's just completely right. different. Um, so that might be some of like hitting on some of like the differences between like quality of seeds, where the seeds coming from, you know, if you're at the grocery store and you're, you know, just grabbing what it will, you know, whatever seed packet is there, um, it's hard to say where that seed's coming from. You could research it for sure and find out, um, but you don't know. Whereas if you're willing to take the time to like start looking at some of these different catalogs or find a, a local company in your area that is doing seeds, then you start to get a better sense of where the seeds are coming from. You might have a resource of who you can call or who you can reach out to to ask about seeds. Um, and then there's the just the component of that, you know, those those plants are being grown within, you know, our giant bioregion of the U.S. And they're going to be more adapted to that region. Um, and then, you know, quality goes up when you've got smaller farmers producing your seeds. They're paying, you know, it's like the other things we've talked about in the previous previous podcast. The smaller the farm, the more attention the farmers may paying ideally and the more effort they're putting into that at least in my mind it's not always that way don't get me wrong i'm not 100 percent naive about how things work but most of the farmers you know the mass majority of them they're going to be putting more effort into their product and you're going to get a higher quality product in my right. opinion yeah i think it's like that for everything in life yeah i hope so <laughs> when somebody pays a little more attention and is more focused on it things are better probably that is my experience um in life it it, it just tends to be my experience is that you you get higher quality things when you're working on a smaller level um than when you're working on the big macro level mm. um and then so i don't want to I want to hit on one more time, just like it can be really nice getting seed catalogs in the winter. Like if, if, if part of what you're interested in is this lifestyle thing, then I would highly recommend trying to get a few catalogs coming to your house um, each year. Um, Cause it's just really enjoyable to sit down in the middle of January 
you know, if you live in Florida, this may not work as well for you um, because January might be some of your best growing periods, right? Yeah, I was going to say, I think they start planting in November in Florida. Yeah. Yeah. Particularly for things like tomatoes and whatnot, right? Because right. they do better down there in the the winter months because it's not as hot. Yeah. Um, Arizona's the same. Yeah. The southern climates. Yeah. So, you know, if, if you're down south, this might be a little different for you i you know i'm going to primarily be speaking for living here in the northwest um where you know we're buried under a foot or two of snow and reading through your seed catalog is just sheer entertainment <laughs> yep yep um, usually every year i get ryan has a seed catalog in his stocking nice yep so <clears throat> can you who do you have it one maybe one of the only books he likes to read <laughs> <laughs> I love books. I can see you like books. I, that or your wife likes books. I have. No, lots that's of my library. Yeah, that's, that's your library. My yeah, library. I'm a I'm a book junkie. I think if I could just retire and read books all day, that'd be my heaven. But um, yeah, he he loves the seed catalog. So nice. Yeah, yeah, I'm a book nerd too. Um, <laughs> sometimes a little bit to praise frustration. I know. <laughs> I had to get rid of boxes and boxes of books when we moved, and it was almost painful. It's almost painful for me to give up books. I don't know what it is. It's I won't. I won't. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I just, yeah. I keep them no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's see. Um, some other things to kind of pay attention to, if you can. Um, and again, like, if, if you're on a budget and you've got to pay attention to the money you're spending, don't pay attention to, you know, the higher end products as much like find yourself some seeds and get out and try and do your garden right like don't don't place the value of the seed over getting your garden started right mm -hmm. like that's it's more important to get what you can and get out and get garden um so keep that in mind like don't don't let don't let barriers creep up and keep you from attaining the goal of starting a garden. Like if you're looking at these catalogs, you can't afford to work with them. Go down to your grocery store and see what they've got to offer. you. Um, but some of the things you want to try and look for, and this isn't going to be on all seed packets, but ideally when you're looking at packages of seeds, there's a little bit of growing information on there. There's some information about the depth of the seed that you're going to be planting. There's some information maybe on temperature, optimal temperature for germination. Um, and another like key thing is like percent of germination, like how much. So most of the better seed companies are going to be testing their seed and see, and they're going to give you a germination rate. You know, is it 70%? Is it 80% germination rate? 90% germination rate? And what that can help you do is determine how much you should start. So if you're looking at tomatoes and you've got a tomato variety, we'll just say, um, I'll throw my, one of my favorites, which is Glacier, Glacier Tomatoes. Uh, it's kind of a small round saladette, red, very unique um, bush type. You know, if, it, if it's got an 80% germination rate, I might try and buy more seed of that and plant more to ensure that I get enough plants to fulfill what I want. Um, now for most gardeners, 
you might not want more than two or three. So one packet will be fine because there's going to be, say, 25 seeds in that packet, and you can plant all 25 seeds and see what comes up. Um, if you've got that kind of space, if you don't have that kind of space, plant 12 seeds. You know, if you're shooting for two, plant 12, get a little extra. You can just kill them. It's not that big a deal. Yeah. And you can thin them out if you don't need them all. Yeah, absolutely. You can thin them out and there's things that come and we'll, we'll get into this more in a little bit, but you know, you don't always, you know, just because a seed germinates doesn't mean it's going to make it into the ground. Mm. Um, there's also can you define germination a little bit for folks oh absolutely um yeah. and i mean not technically again i am not an expert right i haven't studied this i didn't go to school for this <laughs> this is just all experience-based knowledge um but germination is when your seed sprouts right so you water your seed in, water is the catalyst, usually water and dark is the catalyst to get that seed to start working. The water will help it swell and you know it opens up and usually it starts to set roots down and push its, its green top up. Mm. Um, and the first thing that you'll have come through the soil of the green part is the cotyledons, two small little leaves that will come out and from there, you'll have your, your true leaves come up through the center of that. So that is essentially the process of germination is when you plant your seed, it gets wet and it starts to do what seeds do is open up and send down roots and send up a green shoot of whatever it may be. And this is what we all did in elementary school in science when we planted a seed in a Dixie cup with soil and it sprouted a plant. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And you know, like what I think you're seeing more in schools. I, I don't know why it, it, there was, I think there was a, a lag there between like our generation and then now it's coming back into the schools. You see a lot really? more in schools. Yeah, yeah. I think mm -hmm. so. Um, I don't know why. It's about, like the basic, it's a great as experiment on the basics of like plant life is just putting a seed in the soil and seeing what happens to it based on the elements, right? Like, yeah. Um, and that's know, just learning yeah, about plants. And I could be wrong about that. Don't quote me on that. Um, okay. So we're in our late forties. If you're like in your mid twenties and you never germinated a plant in school, let me know. <laughs> yes. Yes. Please do. Because I'd be curious about that. Um, Mostly, I think I was trying to to get at that you're starting to see a lot more gardens at schools. Oh, yeah, um, gardens. Yeah. And I think there's a lot more emphasis on trying to like work on, you know, like educating kids about those processes. Whereas, you know, like we didn't have a garden in our schools when we were when I was growing up, for sure. But agriculture was still really tied to the community. So I think there was more. Right. Um, emphasis within the classrooms on some of these things and ideally there's still within the sciences some of these basic things but um as a whole hopefully kids are getting you know exposed to more of gardening and farming and and why it's so important um for everybody not and if it's if you're not your kids aren't or your kids are too young to be in school take them out in the garden have them plant their own seeds ryan always had like one box that was the girl's box and they could plant stuff and then we watch what comes up and uh, it's so rewarding. It's absolutely, it's so much fun too. Oh yeah. yeah. And I mean, and they, I mean, 
I mean, we're, we're really, really fortunate to have our lives. Right. Um, mm -hmm. But I mean, they love it. They love to play in the mud and it's good for them. Right. Like mm -hmm. I know there might be some folks out there that are, are concerned or worried about what might happen if your kids eat dirt, but it's good for them. Like mm -hmm. kids eating dirt is good for the biome and your bellies and in your digestional system. I'm sure doc could talk about that for hours. I think we did a <laughs> podcast way back. We talked about soil and I think it was like the average person person eats like two pounds of soil a year or something and mm -hmm. and those are that's probably just from your veggies and stuff but if you're a gardener you're probably eating more than that because how many times have you just gone out and picked carrot out and wiped it off and eaten it you know you're not like washing every little thing off and if I'm growing an organic garden and I know what's in it like I don't have a problem eating a strawberry not washed I had a carrot not washed you know get, take a some greens off and eat them you know it's yeah. like yeah you eat a lot of dirt and remember, we're part of the ecosystem and our guts are much like the microbiome of the planet. So yeah, yeah, yeah. eat your dirt. Now, like don't be overeating dirt. That means you actually have a disease called pica and you probably should get checked out for deficiencies, but <laughs> um, it's okay to eat some dirt. Yes. Yes. And it's okay if your kids eat dirt, you know, yeah, it's kids need to be dirty. This is how they build their microbiome. This is what's, this is what's alarming to me in the last two years is the amount of disinfectant sanitizers, like fear of germs, whatever and you're it's not healthy to be overly sterilized it's gonna cause a massive amount of health problems i mean it already is just look at the population but it's important to be out there in that it, it gives you more diversity of your yes. microbiome which is important and it gives your your kids an opportunity to become comfortable with those things become comfortable with dirt become comfortable yeah. with with bugs, all sorts of different little things that are important for just everyday life, not being like freaked out about whatever, getting dirty and <clears throat> it's just- Have you seen my husband when he comes home from a hunting trip? Like he obviously as a child was taught like it's good to be dirty because <laughs> disgusting. People actually send me messages and they're like, why don't you create some kind of hand soap for Ryan when he goes on like trips? And I'm like, I don't think he'd use it. Like he just well, dumps himself in a river or, you know, he wipes his hands off, but he's got his elbow up to elbows in blood. You've been there, right? He's eating with those yeah. hands. He's, you know, doing everything else. And he's, you know, that, that actually in research shows that people who hunt, people who have animals, people who garden, have people that are exposed to blood of animals, uh, they have more robust microbiomes. Hmm. Oh, I didn't know that. That's interesting. Hunter, hunter, hunter gather societies <laughs> they've tested in Africa and around, they've tested hunting communities and people that have dogs. Even if you have a dog, you have a more robust microbiome because you know, you're being exposed yeah. to these, uh, to these elements and, and, uh, your GI tract is picking up on that. So I mean, you know, vaginal burrs are pretty important because babies get exposed to mom's microbiome, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Yep. And they know now, even when they do a C-section, they take vaginal secretions and they put it up the baby's nose and they put it in the mouth because the process of birth through the vaginal canal exposes the baby to mom's microbiome. Um, and... And just like soil and dirt and all these things from the very beginning, we need exposures in order to build our immune system. 
Nice. And I am, I'm not going to jump down that rabbit hole. Cause you're right. I do know about that. Cause my, partner- I know your wife is, that's what she does. So <laughs> I'll just stay out of it. But yeah, from the very beginning, we need these things and being born yes. into sterile environments. And that's, I think in the past was the alarming thing about cesarean sections, right? It's like 30% cesarean rate, 30% of these children are not getting exposed to their microbiome at birth. And, um, you know, causes a whole slew of health health problems, eczema, autoimmune disorders, allergies, chronic allergies in kids and stuff. So um, I think a lot of places have learned that now. And even if there has to be a C-section, we trying to do what we can to get exposure there. But these are all important things. And yeah. this is how our species has survived for as long as we have. It's because we, we need exposures and we need to be able to fight them. So Yeah. And it's just necessary for even modern, modern days, right? Just because we have amazing technology doesn't mean that we're not, you know, human beings that came from this earth. We're a part of this earth. So it's really important to, you know, get into that relationship, like foster yeah. that relationship with the earth and gardening. We are like the soil and we germinate things, right? We grow yeah. things, sometimes good things, sometimes bad things, but it's kind of like that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So be part. Okay, back to you, back to seeds. <laughs> no that was great that was it that was a good uh seg or rabbit hole we'll call it yeah um a lot of those. so yes yes it's hard not to like um i know it's hard not i want to tell everybody usually before our podcast sean and i talk for about an hour about some sort today we talked about world history and uh politics yeah, so we always have some interesting conversation before we start our gardening podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. <sighs> we probably talk longer before we start recording we than we do. Um, we do. When we're and recording. we won't share those conversations because they're just too interesting. <laughs> they probably piss a lot of people off. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we would have to prepare them. It would have to be a different right. um, podcast for sure. Yeah, well, that's we want to hear that. having friends who like to talk about that stuff. Yes, I mean, it's important uh, to talk about. It is. Okay. So let's see. What else about seeds? So let's talk. Let's move on to starting seeds. Um, and we talked about this a little bit in the first podcast. Um, but so one of the things you want to do is picking out your soil. Right. And again, if you're on a tight budget, get a seed starting mix that you can afford. If you've got more money accessible to you, then the higher the quality of seed starting mix you can you can obtain, the better off you're probably going to be. Um, I don't know if I can go into like depth about the various different seed starting mixes out there because I don't really you know, like I have my own seed starting mix. I have, you know, like I create kind of my own from a, from a different, from various different sources. Um, but look for a seed starting mix. Most of them are going to be based on peat moss. That that's typically just fine. Um, we can have a podcast about peat moss farming and the good and bad about that some other day. Um, you don't, typically want to again if you're on a budget maybe don't even worry about seed starting mix just get some good soil um but if you can help it don't start in just soil um there's some reasons for that which i'll try and touch on in a second but get your seed starting mix open up the bag 
You can um, mix, you know, your seed starting mix right in the bag if you want. And the main thing that you want to do is add some water to it. You want, you don't want to start seeds in dry soil. You don't want to open the bag and start filling whatever it is that you are going to start your seeds in. Mm -hmm. So if you're starting your seeds in, we'll say, um, cells that have, you know, there's a little pack, a little small square that has six cells in each little packet, right? I call that a six pack. Um, you can find them <clears throat> that go down to 12, you know, there's 12 in a square, that's a 12 pack. You can find all sorts of different sizes of trays and whatever to start your seeds in, but whatever it is, don't just open your bag and throw the dry soil in there or the dry starting mix in there. What is going to happen if you, if you if you go that route a couple of things are going to happen you're going to have a lot more airspace for one which roots don't like airspace it's kind of like a big hole right they're going to hit that and they're going to be like ah oh, we don't want to go that way and they're going to move around so you want your soil um in there evenly not compacted but in there evenly um and the drier soil tends to like sink and so you end up having a lot less soil in there than you think You'll fill that up, it'll look full, and then you'll water it and it'll shrink down to about half the size that it was. Another thing that happens a lot when you have really dry soil is then you go to water it in and your seed pops up to the top, it floats up. Um, it either floats up and maybe runs off the side and just is gone, or it floats up too up, far up to the top and it dries out and, and gets wet and dries out and it doesn't germinate as well. So you want to add water to your seed starting mix or your soil before you start filling your trays. Now, how much water is gauged by trying to, to pick up the soil in your, in, a, in your hand and squeeze it. And when you squeeze it, you don't want water running out, right? You want enough water in there that it'll hold you know form so when you make you know just a ball in your hand does it hold together and does a little bit of water come out as you mm -hmm. squeeze down on it is some water coming out um that's kind of the ideal right there is the ideal and um the way that we go about doing that is we'll we'll dump our soil into a bin some type of plastic bin whatever you want to do you could do it in a five gallon bucket um you could do it in your wheelbarrow. However, I've got some things about wheelbarrows and paint coming off and different things like that. So I don't typically like to mix in, in wheelbarrows very much anymore. Um, but a good square plastic bin works wonderfully. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> or you can even do it in, you know, like a pot in your house or whatever. You know, there's all sorts of different like things that you can use. Add the water in, mix, 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 mix. Mix it up, get it thoroughly mixed, and then try this squeeze test, right? If you've got too much water coming out, when you do your squeeze test, add a little more soil in there and mix it all up again. Let it rest for a little while, maybe come back in a couple of minutes and check it. And once you get to the optimal spot, and it doesn't have to be perfect, keep in mind this is not rocket science, it's just gardening. There's no such thing as a green thumb. <laughs> Trial and error and perseverance are your two number one keys to gardening, right? So. Try and get that optimal thing. But if you don't, the main thing you don't want is too much water, right? Too wet, that becomes a real problem. That can rot your seed or do different things. Yeah. Um, and if it's not wet enough, 
that's okay. You can live with that. Too wet's a problem. Not wet enough, you can live with that. So then you want to fill your trays up. <clears throat> you don't want to pack the soil in there, right? You just want to put it in there, give it a shake, maybe bang it on the table, or if you're at a bench or whatever it is that you're on, give it a little shake so that it settles. And then what I like to do is have it just flat across the top. And then when I'm ready to plant, so a lot of times I'm doing thousands of plants a day, right? Like I'm supposed to be going out here really soon and starting seeds. Um, and I'll, I don't even, I couldn't even tell you. I'll do many, many plants, hopefully today. <laughs> I really need to do that. Um, <laughs> but um, <clears throat> so when I'm ready, what I'll do is I'll go in and I'll poke a hole, right? And I use my finger as my depth gauge. So if we're planting lettuce, Lettuce likes to be a little bit closer to the top. Somewhat, I think you could also argue that it likes a little sunlight. However, you've got to be careful because you don't want to wash it away. So you want that maybe in like a quarter inch of soil. Tomato seeds, they're gonna be a little closer between quarter and a half inch. So I just use my finger and I poke a hole in there and then I drop my seed in and then I bring the soil that's already there back over the top and cover it. Um, it can be important and helpful to try and maintain a little bit of space between the top of where your soil is and the top of the pot that you're planting into or the cell that you're planting into. And part of the reason for that is because you want to have a small little reservoir so that when you water, you, the water stays there and goes down. It's not running off the sides and you get a little better um, watering that way. Things go down instead of running off the sides. So if you can help it, and it's not detrimental, right? I have it happen all the time. Keep your soil a little, a little ways from the top. Give it a quarter inch if you can. If it doesn't work out that way, that's no problem. Okay. Just keep trying. Um, and if you, if you get your soil wet before you plant, then you're done. You're pretty much done for the time being cover it up, make sure it's all good to go, and then set it aside to wherever you're trying to get them to germinate. If you're trying to put them on a heat mat, if you're trying to put them um, under a light with a heat mat, whatever it is that you're trying to do. Maybe you have a window box. Maybe you're lucky enough to have some type of outside space. Again, there's no substitute for sunlight, but if, you're, if, you, if you have to start indoors, that's fine. That's not a problem. You don't even actually need light to germinate seeds. So like our germination chamber, a germination chamber is primarily based on humidity and, and warmth, right? So mm -hmm. the things that you really need is kind of warmth and the moisture. So trying to hit that optimal temperature for a gardener at home, that's a lot harder, right? Like <clears throat> you're not necessarily going to go out and buy thermometers and all the different things to keep track of your soil the same way that I do, right? Like I've got thermometers in my soil. I'm keeping track of all the temperatures and trying to get optimal germination because I want hundred percent germination if I can right. get, um, you know, gardeners, don't worry about that stuff, you know, put it on in, in a window, put it somewhere warm, put it close to the heater. Most things germinate really well between like 50 and 70 degrees, hotter crops, you know, tomatoes and peppers and eggplant and those types of things. They're more in the like, say 70 to 80, 85 range um, as far as temperature of the soil. <clears throat> Not outside ambient temperature, temperature of the soil. 
Um, so once you get to that stage, put it to wherever it's going to go and then, you know, see what happens. Um, most things, and this is another thing, ideally, if your seed packet is giving you some information, it'll give you days to germination. How many days should it take to germinate this thing? Um, you know, if you're doing head lettuce, should be around a week, could be five, let's say five to 10 days. You reach that 10 day mark, you might want to start looking at changing some things around. Maybe it needs to be warmed up. Maybe, it, you know, maybe it got washed away. It's hard to say. If you get to two weeks, maybe replant. Mm. That could be my recommendation with okay. almost anything except for some of the peppers. Some peppers take two weeks to germinate. Um, sometimes tomatoes take a couple weeks to germinate. And another thing that I would, <clears throat> I would say is if you start over, don't abandon what you've already started. Maybe set them somewhere different and give them more time. I have this happen all the time. I'll have terrible seed germination. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I can't quite figure it out, but I don't ditch that tray. I set it aside. I start more seeds and I wait to see what happens. And more often than not, as soon as I stop paying super close attention to them, they start to germinate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it's not usually as good a germination, but they start to germinate and I get some plants and I have something to work with. Um, so don't abandon those seeds, but start over again, or, you know, like it, particularly if you're doing things that are pretty quick, like head lettuce or peas or, you know, something along those lines. If they don't germinate within like 10 days, replant um, and and see what happens. Um, and in that time, right, like right now it's warming up, like the seasons are moving along. It's still nice and early in the year. Um, if you've got an outside greenhouse, things are going to warm up. So dynamics are changing, even within your house, right? Things are changing with the right. season and spring on coming. So your house is going to warm up a little bit. So maybe that second planting does better. Soil temperature is just a little higher. Got a better, better soil temperature. Um, and then once they germinate, you want to get them under lights. Um, you know, Ryan and Doc, they start things downstairs, um, is yeah. my understanding, right? Yeah, we so have a warm basement. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we need light. We have lights. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if you need lights, get your lights on them. Learn about your lights, you know, what kind of lights you're using and how far they can be off the plants, how much heat they generate. Because, you know, you might have a, a light that generates a ton of heat. You don't want that so close to your plants because it'll fry. Right. Um, if you're doing tray covers, you know, there's those plastic little trays. I keep using my hands. It always makes me laugh. I talk with my hands a lot. <laughs> it's okay, I do too. <laughs> Doc's the only one that can see me. Um, but if you're using those plastic tray covers, that's great. Those those have a lot of success and they help keep your soil warm. Yeah, do mm -hmm. they keep a little humidity in too? Yep, they keep your humidity up. Um, however, one of the dangers that you can run into is if you're using those, and I learned this lesson big time last year, is once your plants germinate, particularly if they're outside or they're getting sun exposure, if you've got them next to a window and that window is getting a lot of sun and the sun hits that tray, with your starts in there and that cover is still on there, you really run the risk of frying everything because Gosh. the sun will will turn that little little tray area that has got the cover on it up to 100 degrees in no time. It can happen in minutes. Um, so what I like to do 
is once things start to germinate, once I see them starting to cook up out of the soil, I take my covers off during the day. I'm just not willing to risk it anymore. I have, I have torched way too many plants. So during the day, I take that off. I check them. I pick up my trays. I pick up whatever it is. You want to check your water. Um, and when you're trying to start your seeds, this will be going back just a little bit. Try not to overwater. You know, it's really important. Touch that soil. See if you can feel moisture. Um, you don't want them to dry out because that will force the seed to start over again. But you want to keep them moist, but again, not too moist because the, you know, the seed will rot if it's really wet, particularly things like peas or something along those lines, they'll rot in there. Right. So, you know, you get your initial, I should have done this earlier. Oh, well, you get your initial, um, everything's all set up and you set that aside, you know, check it every day, but don't water it every day, you know, try and go as long as you can without watering it. That's where the seed tray covers can come in real handy. You can put those over and they're going to maintain your soil moisture for you longer. If you don't have a tray on there, that moisture is escaping up into the um, air and the atmosphere there where you're in your house or wherever you're at. Um, and so you're losing that moisture. So you're going to need to water now and again. Um, just try not to overwater or let them dry out too much. <clears throat> um, and so now back to once you got them germinated, um, you know, just keep your keep your eyes on them. Don't leave those tray covers on there if they're exposed to sunlight. Um, whereas if they're under lights, that's not going to be as big of an issue, right? You can keep those seed cover tray covers on there. Usually, it depends on the light. You know, you gotta you gotta kind of see what kind of lights you're using. If you're using some type of um, if I, was a, if I was a pot grower, I would know all about this. Um, <laughs> but we have these like fluorescent lights hanging. Yeah, what type of use? We got, I don't know the name of them, but they don't get hot. So it's nice. You can put the plant close to it. Um, do you leave your lights on all the time? Do you leave oh. your lights on 24-7, right? That's normal. Yeah, that's a great question. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, so if you're using lights... Um, <clears throat> you um some of them that don't get hot you can put right down to the plant which helps keep them from getting too leggy um and then yeah no you don't want to leave your lights on 24 7 okay. you want to set them up on a timer um oh, okay and ideally i would set them up somewhere towards like what you got going on outside you know so if if you can um <clears throat> set them up to you know whatever i don't know what our light schedule is right now exactly but you know we're at about 10 hours of light a day maybe it's 11 um you know set it up somewhere to what you have going on outside with your sunshine kind of gets the seeds a little bit more adjusted to that um and um i you know like i think if you leave your lights on 24 7 you're going to be looking at getting really leggy plants um and one of the challenges with lights is leggy plants anyway and what i mean by leggy is that the the plants are reaching right they're reaching up for that light just like they do with sunlight that's kind of what they're doing they're reaching up reaching up all the time they're reaching up and so that light isn't compared to sunlight in any way. So they really reach. They're really trying. They, they want that light and they want to get closer because the closer they get to the light, 
the more they get out of that light. And mm -hmm. so when you start your plants indoors under lights, they tend to be leggy. It's really, really hard to, to avoid. Um, there are some particular lights um, that we used to use called T5s when we used to start inside more um, that you can drop right down on top of the plants. You know, we kept them like an inch off of the plants. Mm. That will reduce your legginess. However, you've got to be really careful on the lights you're using because most lights generate too much heat to be that close. Right. Um, these were specific lights that used specific bulbs. Um, they're much more in the indoor growing world. Um, if you're, you know, if you, I mean, and, and this is another, like maybe good resource. If, if you've got uh, medical marijuana in your area or recreational mm -hmm. and you've got places that, that grow, you know, they sell to the growers, those shops are super knowledgeable about, um, lights. Like they can tell you everything and anything you want to know. So as long as you're comfortable going into us, you know, that place and you're not somehow turned off by weed. Um, those folks are a great source of information. Um, and because that's how they grow, right? Like most right. growers of, of marijuana, they use lights. <clears throat> um, so, you know, hit them up. They're a great resource. Information is, is good no matter where it's coming from, unless it's just, you know, bad. <laughs> good information was the key word in that so. yes yes <laughs> but they're going to be very knowledgeable about those things yeah for sure i mean they're growing plants right whatever plants yeah. they are they're mm -hmm. good at growing plants they got to grow a lot of them they got to get a good yield so yeah <clears throat> um and so and i mean once i think that you know to kind of round this this portion of things out a little bit once your seed germinates and you you know it's up and it's out if you can get it outside do it if and, and even if it means and and for gardeners i think this is much easier moving them in and out each day right so mm -hmm. maybe you're working off of your back patio um as long as the outside temperatures you know like say you're heading to work and to work at whatever hour you go to work as long as it's not super cold outside get those plants outside take them out set them outside take your tray cover off there let them get exposed to sunlight to wind maybe a little bit of rain comes through um and just get them adapting to the outside where they're going to be um you know if you're doing garden boxes or you've got beds and all those things get them out set them on the grass you know like you don't you yeah. know run them all the way out to your garden or whatever, but get them out on your porch, get them exposed and get them sunlight. There's no substitute for sunlight. I can't say that enough. Well, I do this with my, so geraniums grow really well where I live and I actually have geraniums that I've had since we moved in because I brought them in in the winter. But when I'm getting ready to put them out again outside, I start, um, I don't even, I don't know what the word is. I know there's a word for it, but. Acclimate. Acclimate. Okay, that's yeah, that makes sense. Um, I just start putting them out on nicer days. It's not super warm, but it's it's like today. It's like a really nice day. It's like fifty something, sixty maybe. I put my geraniums outside and I let them get used to it again. And it's going to be a little windy. You know, the wind is what kills us here. So, and then I bring them in at night. So I'm I'm acclimating them to the weather again. I don't just like throw them out there and then hope they're going to survive again right because 
they're, they've been in the house all winter. So they're used to the constant temperature and they're used to all that. So the same thing with the plants and the seeds is like putting them outside, letting them get used to it, bringing them back in. Usually our dining room table ends up like we put them on the back porch and then I have a thing on the dining room table I lay out, right? Like a tarp or something. And then I just bring them in at night, put them on the dining room table and let them sit there in the dark. And then we put them back outside. And the, and then eventually they get used to it. Just like when you're going to plant your garden, um, my geraniums will be used to it. And then they just stay outside all summer. Um, and that way you can actually keep some of these plants like a long time if you do it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So... I know those aren't vegetables, but <laughs> I think it translates. Plants get expensive. Like, you know, you go to the nursery, you buy a $25 geranium and then you just kill it every year. And I realized like I can actually keep these plants in and they're beautiful. They, they bloom even in the winter if you treat them right. You know, they don't bloom as much as in the summer, but, um, and you don't have to keep buying plants, <laughs> but you got to acclimate them. You can't just throw them out there on a hot day and expect them not to get ticked off so you got to start acclimating them but yeah and that actually might be a, another good thing to you know like think about is you know like for some reason you get a hot spell and you're looking at and you haven't done any of this acclimating business you don't want to throw your plants out on a like super hot sunny day that'll cook them they're, they're just i've done that with seed starts i've oh. actually and my back deck gets hot because it doesn't mm-hmm. have any shade on it and I've thrown like, oh, it's beautiful out. And I throw my seeds out there in the morning and it gets hot. Like a 75 day on that back deck is going to turn into a 90 degrees easily. If it, especially if they're by the house, like 80, 90 degrees. And I fried them. I fried whole trays, leaving them outside because they weren't ready. You know, I was like, oh, it's nice out. Put them all out. It's too hot. Yes. And that, you know, like that's lessons we all learn. Like, I think we've all done that for sure. Um, And sometimes you don't know, right? Until it happens. Um, And then you're like, oh, okay. Can't do that. Maybe I should put them on. Yeah. Trial and error. And that's why we're doing this podcast because there's a lot of new people that want to, there's a lot of people that want to start gardening and they feel Mm -hmm. like overwhelmed with all these even tiny little things that like you and I take for granted. But it's the little things from what I've seen you know, that make the biggest difference. Like how deep is your seed? How wet is your soil? How hot is your temperature? How cold is your temperature? Like, um, and these are the, that's why we're doing these, this series is to help people kind of with the basics. Um, Yeah. Hopefully, huh? Yeah. That's the goal. (laughs) And I've always, I've gotten, been getting this thing the last couple of years. There's no gardening anymore on your podcast. And I'm like, well, because now I live in cabbage cabbage growing country and i don't (laughs) it drastically changed you know uh so i need experts on now and i need to kind of we 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 understand we've slacked on the gardening part but um that's why we're doing this is to give ourselves a head start and it motivates me like it it's motivating me to plant and i'm actually today i got soil yesterday so i got some amendment soil with for our garden beds and i'm going to go out today clean up the beds put in this new soil rake in this new soil into our pot into our um boxes Mm -hmm. and then just kind of getting getting the compost pile cleaned up and the compost pile that never degrades like 
putting a tarp over it. And now that it's warming up a little bit outside during the day, getting it to start warming up and uh, doing cleanup. So that's what I'm doing in the garden today is some cleanup. Ryan's going to be so proud of me because I haven't done that in years. He's usually the guy trying to do it at the last moment. I'm like, oh, I'm really motivated. This has motivated me to get back to doing some of the things that I used to do that I have not done in a number of years. And um, gardening is sort of like meditation. It's like a workout and it's like meditation all at the same time, right? Like I'm looking at 10 bags of soil right now and I'm like, oh my God, I don't want to haul those over to the garden and break those open and, you know, like raking all the stuff up and getting everything done. It's a lot of heavy duty work. But it's also clearing your mind, which is what I need in my life. I need to clear my mind and be working out there. So um, it's motivating me to do that again. Outstanding. So thank you. And thank you. I, yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> and I think it's like, I know, that story is just like perfect for like what we're trying to convey to folks is like, because I think the majority of folks are in your shoes, right? Yeah. They're working that nine to five, whatever it may be. Or maybe you're on some different schedule, but you don't have as much break. And most of our most of our downtime today is we're like we're we're either watching TV or on our phones or something. And to be able to go out, and sometimes it's overwhelming, right? Like you're saying, you got 10 bags of soil, but once you get out there, you get started, and the next thing you know, four or five hours have gone by, and you've made a lot of ground. You've you've cleaned the boxes and the soil looks nice and everything's looking nicer. And you're just like, and that kind of inspires you to get more going. And it's just like, I don't know, for me, um, it's just, it's really rewarding. And, and my experience with gardeners is that it's really rewarding. Um, I have to say too, that, you know, living in the North, the winters are long mm -hmm. and we do spend a lot of time inside doing things like, watching tv and watching movies and you know maybe painting and doing stuff like that you know art projects or whatever but we do spend a lot of time inside because it's deathly cold a lot of the winter and um and so this time of year it's like the motivation you start seeing the green grasses coming up and just having even that little bit of heat, rain and humidity and that feeling again it's it's kind of like coming out of hibernation where we live. And I just encourage people gardening, or even if you're just going to grow flowers, like you're going to grow a flower bed, right? Seeds are the same, whether they're a vegetable or a fruit or a flower is like you. And I like flowers because flowers help germinate. Like they help pollinators, right? They bring in pollinators. I like colorful things, but it's, um, it's just good practice when you've been inside for so long um, in the cold weather when everything's kind of been hybrid, you know, you, we hibernate like the plants do. So it's, it's somewhat therapeutic to get out there and start moving, especially here. Like in Washington, the winters are long, they're dark, but the difference about there was stuff just starts coming out of the ground in like March. Daffodils and tulips and the trees are all budding really early and everything is kind of comes alive here. It's much, <laughs> it takes a while and it's slow and you feel that in your body. And then you get this point, you're like, I just need to get outside and do something. And so that's why I've, you know, getting out and learning even to garden and figure these things out is I think really rewarding because it is a long cold winter. 
for us. And, um, yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Um, and I think your point about, I think we could make the point also about, you know, like there's no substitute for sunlight for us either. Right. Like there's all sorts of information coming out nowadays about whatever, getting out in the morning and getting that early exposure for the, you know, like you can take it biohacking, but I think it's just actually shit we need to do. Yes. (laughs) Sorry for the swear word, but it's like I'm a biohacker and I'm like, get up in the morning and go for a walk or a run in the sunshine. Wow, that sounds like that's a biohack. That's what's sad to me now is people think they're biohacking themselves. It's like, no, this is what your ancestors needed to do to survive. So Yes, and it's what we still need to do to be healthy, right? We don't need it to survive, but we need it to be healthy. Um, and then there's just no substitute for getting out there and getting that vitamin D and getting that sunlight and wind and the air and, you know, all those different things. So, you know, don't hesitate, get out there, do something. And where we live, there's no wind today, which is like, get out there and do it. Don't, because tomorrow it could be a gale force wind. This is how I do when I go to the nursery, I go. Oh, geez, what flowers are going to survive at my house? Like geraniums are basically it. That's that's what I found with the wind. They seem to be super hardy and they can do it in the wind. But like when I buy pots or I'm going to everything, I bought a wind chime yesterday. It's a beautiful wind chime. But I have to literally I'm going to have to take that wind chime and bring it in on some days because it'll get destroyed. And so everything now, again, back to the microclimate, you talked about that very first podcast. It's like, I literally think about the situations now, because I know where I live, what my microclimate's going to do and what to buy, not to buy. Like there's no, even to do hanging plants, but you know, they might end up in my house most days mm-hmm. because the wind will be so bad that they'll be blowing off. So I realized that when I bought them, but that's my microclimate. And so I have to be wary of what I buy and what I spend my money on. It's just going to get destroyed by wind. Um, And I've learned that with flowers. There's a couple that do well and there's a bunch that don't and it's okay. So, um, but yeah, no wind today. I'm like, we're doing this. I told you, we're cleaning up and you know them. They're like, what yeah but um yes it's got to be done so yeah my poor no kids they don't and even... the grass is turning green <laughs> it is it's yeah it's, your uh, kids they don't even get a choice my poor kids they no just your kids grow. are like <laughs> yeah well you don't have teenager yet just wait till no you i don't teenager. not yet and it's um, like oh we're going outside to work it's like uh oh uh, why what are we gonna do uh, I don't know. Well, when they're teenagers, they can they can go find their own thing to do. But now I just I just drag them along. Right? Like, <laughs> we live out in the country is, until you drive. This is what we're doing. You are a prisoner. <laughs> You're gonna have to do what I do. Sorry. Um, no, it's all good. It's all good. Okay, so I have one question about seeds before we end today. Um, and we might be go over this at another time. Talk about transplanting, mm-hmm. but we can just kind of end on this and maybe we can do this in the next podcast is when your seed, how do you know when your start is ready and you're going to transplant it? Cause that's another big issue. And maybe we shouldn't even talk about this right now. Maybe we should do a whole podcast on this. Cause you tell me. 
Well, I think, I think your initial thought was good. I think we should, um, we should kind of maybe save it for the planting part. Yeah, but we okay. can, we can touch on it a little bit here. And then I think there's a couple before we, before we end with that, there's a couple of more things that, um, I wanted to hit with starting seeds. Um, and one of, one of those things is, is, um, when you're starting things indoors, which has been the primary focus that we've talked about here, it, it's, it's nice to be able to replicate some of the things that are going on outside. So, um, you know, you're using lights to replicate the sun. Um, once your plants are germinated, right? Also a fan can be really helpful. Mm. Setting up a fan, whether it's an oscillating fan or, you know, it doesn't really matter what kind of fan it is, but setting up a fan to blow on your plants at a lower setting, not like, you know, gale force winds, um, but unless you live in three forks that get them acclimated. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Um, that's right. Um, unless you live in a very windy place, then maybe you should do that. <laughs> but kidding. you want to expose them to wind and you can think of it almost as like athletics, right? So as, as that fan blows across the plants, they're shaking a little bit, right? Their leaves catch a little bit of wind and it shakes their stem. And that is building strength, okay? So those plants, their stems are building strength and it gets them accustomed to when they move outside and the wind is always blowing, like always. Like even yeah. when it's dead calm, there's actually wind moving. Um, I know that's kind of a oxymoron, but it's true. Like when you're in the outdoors, there's always wind moving. It's wind always is breathing. Just, like yes. you, you're, you're always breathing. You know, always you breathing. Know you are. And yeah. things are always heating and cooling, right? And that's how right. wind works, heating and cooling. Mm. Um, so that can be really important. And then another thing that I like to recommend to folks is music. If you've got music, uh. like, like plants respond to positive even like metal music, there's all sorts of fascinating studies on this. If you want to dive down this rabbit hole, but music um, can be really helpful. If you've got music playing in your home most of the time, or like what I often do is, um, you know, I have a radio in our greenhouse, which is almost always has NPR. Um, my plants are raised on NPR, which is primarily classical <laughs> music. And then yeah. some really bland middle of the road news. Um, but you know like or positive just like talking to your plants i love to talk to my plants mm -hmm. brush your plants you know my my partner prairie she loves to come through and run her hands over the mm -hmm. top of the, the plant. kids love to do that yeah. and you know actually when you have house plants you're supposed to move your plant so a house plant stays in the house it doesn't get wind it's not outside and they say like move the stalks of your house plants rub clean the leaves and when you're cleaning the leaves you're like rubbing the plant like that's actually part of keeping a healthy house plant as well yeah like mimic some of the things and humidity and have the music playing and make sure you wash the leaves once in a while you move the stems it's the same idea like plants are living things they need they need movement and music i'll play my biurnal beats for them <laughs> my plants are going to be all like 
have healthy brains, my plan. Yes. <laughs> and I mean, really, they do respond to to almost any type of music. Like they've tried it with like heavy metal and all sorts of different stuff. Wow. Um, so what do they do? They grow faster? Do they are they are they more robust? What is the I don't know if I could speak to that Mm. because I didn't let, you know, like I haven't dived down this rabbit hole to like, see like how, how the plants are different um, in response to the music (laughs) that's being played for them. I just remember that, that there is like a real like measurable thing that takes place for plants with music positive reinforcement talking to them that makes me think about water so you probably read about uh, dr emoto in japan i think it's emoto and he did the studies on water and how when you talk and or even you can take water and write on the jar love peace happiness Mm -hmm. gratitude and then another one write hate anger uh frustration I hate you, whatever. The plant in the the water gets tuned by the vibration of the word. So yeah. like the music and the, the word that you speak, even writing it on where the water is. He did research on this. He's written books on it. I used to have two of his books. I probably gave them away or I lost them. I don't know. I'm, maybe I saw them in my stack, stacks of books. But um. And you can go on YouTube and people have done this experiment where they take a plant in like a jar, two different whatever, and they write words on the and they grow differently. So maybe that's the idea of the music, too, is that, you know, water is part of that situation. And each water crystal has its there's it's like snowflakes, not every. Every single snowflake is different. Every single structure of water molecule is different. He's looked at them under microscopes and he did this whole thing. When you talk positive thoughts into water, the crystalline structure changes and they're these beautiful, beautiful like snowflakes and every single one is different, but they're very, they're very organized and beautiful. And then the ones that have like hate and all this violent stuff talked into them, they are completely, um, not organized they're they don't look normal they're not like a beautiful snowflake and he's proven that this is why part of the reason he believes why positivity versus negativity even in a human being is so vital for their growth because you are mostly water and so as you grow you're like what 80 percent water or something and if you're hearing negative thoughts all the time or you're even saying it to yourself i hate you i'm worthless whatever your actual structure of the water in your body is changing oh wow and he he was talks about like child abuse and like all the things that happen to people when they're young and they're forming these circuits and like how even just talking to them changes the way that their water works in their body and like how good they feel, how healthy they are. And even with plants and all these kinds of things. So when I was in med school, I mean, people are going to know how hippy dippy I am now. Let me tell you, <laughs> I used to write, I had this water bottle that was like a dark water bottle. Cause supposedly too, like you don't want your water in like clear bottles that, you know, we normally have like this, you want it in a dark bottle cause it protects the structure of the water. Um, certain like amber, certain colors are really good, but um, I would write words. So like on this glass bottle that I have here that no one can see, 
you know, I would write love. I would write health. All that crazy stuff. And that's what I would drink out of. Now, whether or not it was true, I mean, even if it's just positive affirmation, I believe that I'm drinking in love and happiness and gratitude. And and that's making me feel better, maybe. But something to think about. So with the plants, maybe that's the whole idea behind the music and like the water. And I would think like the heavy metal music or like really negative music or things like maybe the plants wouldn't grow as happy, but maybe I'm wrong. Like if I'm thinking about the structure of the water, I guess it's what the heavy metal music is saying probably. Like if it's heavy metal music, that's like praising God or happiness or something, (laughs) then that's different. But like, you know, like not not negative. And that could be anything. Like think of the music people listen to today. The kids are listening to. Have you ever heard some stuff? I mean, I hate to sound like my grandma. Oh my gosh. Sometimes our grandma, my grandma used to say this. Your music is so vile. I can't believe it. But there's some music. I'll just play a playlist. I can't. My kids can't listen to it. Like it's vile stuff. Right. That some of the pe- kids are listening to today. Mm-hmm. So swear words and just like really vile stuff. And so. I don't want that playing for my plants, much less my children. Come on. No, no, I don't think so. <laughs> and I, you know, there's probably classical is great. We know how classical is creates brains. It's yes, yes. Um, I don't know. It's hard for me to imagine anything being more. Uh, uh, what's the right word? I don't know, but hard. You know, like worse than Two Live Crew when we were growing up. So, oh my gosh, Two Live <laughs> Crew, NWA. Oh yeah, I remember all that music. Um, yeah, Two Live Crew in particular was was pretty oh. hardcore. Um, yeah. As it far as their, what they're talking about, you know, language and whatnot. I listen to them. Don't get me wrong, I love them. <laughs> um, <clears throat> My boyfriend in high school was into NWA. He was from LA, and it was just like, I mean, he would blare that. We lived together after high school, and he would blare that in our apartment. I'd be like, you that like no. Like, I do not want the neighbors knowing that we listen to this music. Like, it's so vile, you know, I can't even, I can't even imagine. So that's what I'm saying. I think, again, you know, the the plants are living things. They respond to their environment. Temperature, like you talked about water, we talked about wind, we talked about, and and the, the sound, the vibration. Sound is just vibration. Music is just vibration, right? And our cells have vibrations within our cells. And that's how we operate. You yeah, know, if your sure. cell isn't moving and doesn't have, if it's got optimal vibration, you're, you're at homeostasis. That's what you want. Um, and so it, plants are the same. So awesome yeah. advice. And we went down really hippy dippy there for a minute, but that was yeah, me, not we did you. Indeed. So. <laughs> Everybody's, Everybody's a little hippy. Everybody just needs to write love on their water bottle right now. Just go write <laughs> it on your, lo- you know, I love myself. I'm so awesome. I'm so healthy. You know, write these things on there and your water will pick it up and, you know, you can thank me later when you're so healthy. <laughs> oh, geez. Okay, well, next time we're going to talk about uh, transplanting, um, right? We're kind of working down. Yeah, we're, we're trying to work our, our way down. And, and I think, you know, we'll, we'll maybe we'll touch on, um, uh, you know, starting seeds indoors versus starting seeds outdoors. Okay. And then we can talk about transplanting. Yeah. Um, and then, um, you know, that, that might be everything, um, but we can also see if there's something else we can tie in there for that next. Okay. Session. And then I also want to touch on fertilizers. Mm-hmm. 
uh, especially duck or chicken manure and cow, like hot versus cold. How does that work? Because that's important. Um, and yeah, so let's talk on that because I do get a, quite a bit of questions on fertilizers. Uh, okay. You know, on natural yeah. fertilizers versus synthetic and all that kind of stuff. And then, um, and then maybe worms. Oh yeah. Yep. Worms. So we'll talk about that. Okay. All right. But for now, we have made the world a better place. <laughs> we have solved again, all our problems in the world. We have not solved any other problems. And um, we're both going to go out and garden. Yes, indeed. First, we got to feed the kids though. Oh, yes. My kids are breaking the door down. I'm sure yours are too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They oh, just yeah. came in and said, Dad, I hear, I hear the volleyball hitting the wall, which is never a good thing. <laughs> so, okay, Sean, you're awesome. I'll right. talk to Thank you next you week. Too, Docs. Thanks for okay. having me. Bye. Bye.